it's interesting shit, and I, I don't want to keep you here all day. I'm not day, sure that it. Curtains in Pittsburgh was that interesting. And if I could <laughs> reel that back in, I would, but I busted it out because well, we were talking about well, it. Well, dust on the curtains, you're talking about yeah, dust is time. Dust is death. Dust Ooh, is like, wow, you know. dust is time. Isn't it? That's what the Buddhists say. That, that the Are years, you a Buddhist? I'm not. I've never heard that expression. Dust is time. Yeah. yeah I have a lot of time it. all yeah. over my house. <laughs> Smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live. To the Buddhist, this current human existence is just a blip. After death, one is reborn into another body until enlightenment is attained. A very short leg of the relay race to Nirvana was run by a Bronx newborn. An unnamed newborn took the express elevator to the afterlife. From the cradle to the grave in mere minutes, a Bronx mom threw her baby out the window. A newborn still had that new baby smell. Police said the baby was tossed out of a seventh floor window of the University Heights apartment building before 33-year-old Jennifer Barry even gave it a name. May I suggest Chuck? Along with the baby, the woman threw out the afterbirth, which also had no name. Both possible victims of an attempt to throw out the bathwater. By the time they hit the ground, it was difficult to tell them apart. The Daily News said the former child welfare worker seemed possessed. 29-year-old Kenneth Bolton agreed the devil was in her eyes. It was more like she wasn't human. She was deranged, like she was lost. You know that look someone gets in their eyes, but they don't know where they are. Barry was charged with second-degree murder and manslaughter after an autopsy determined the death was a homicide caused by multiple blunt force trauma. I didn't know you could perform an autopsy on a pile of baby. Uh, joining me now, Jerry Stahl, possibly best known uh, as author of Permanent Midnight, Bad Sex on Speed, and I Fatty, a celebrated novelist and screenwriter. He's also written numerous episodes of TV shows from ALF to CSI. Also legendary for overcoming a monstrous heroin addiction and uh, is the father of two daughters who he also credits for helping him get clean and stay clean. Jerry, hi. Were you making comedy gold of the uh, baby out the window? Well, thing? I was doing, um, my, doing wow. my best. <laughs> Damn, man. I, I You just, that is bold. Yeah, thank you. Pile of baby. <laughs> right. Jesus, well, man. Well, from seventh floors, you know, you'd think that, that there would be an impact on the body. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was just impressed yeah. that you were kind of. You know, making carnival you know the, of that situation. You know, the thing is that people get... And why most, not, really? Th- yeah. I mean, why sure. not? I don't think the baby minds. And, uh, you know, the, the mother's the one who tossed it. So uh, I love that you was a child welfare worker. Yeah. Yeah, that I know. It speaks volumes. It does speak volumes, yeah. I wonder uh, if... Because if, you would think that somebody who does that would be obviously concerned with the welfare of children. Not necessarily. No. <laughs> I could be. I think that's a pretty big assumption, man. You know how some people are, are kinder to other children than they are to their own. Uh, you know, she um, Jennifer Barry also is uh, in a little bit of trouble for a 2008 baby yes. that she had that was uh, well died of of uh, SIDS. Mm. Uh, presumably, she should have stuck with the SIDS. I think it was a little more subtle than throwing the baby out the window. You know what I mean? Crib well, death is more subtle than curb death. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I can't believe I'm just going to watch you. I'm just going to watch you spin this out, man. <laughs> well, no, I mean, uh, uh, what do you uh, why, what would be your theory on that? Why does someone the baby's a newborn? So it wasn't like I guess she hates babies. <laughs> that would the, be my theory. Yeah. I'm going out on the limb just but. from from straight out. I mean, it wasn't that the baby was crying or being uh, 
in some way a, a nuisance well uh you know babies do scream it's tough sledding there in the early days maybe she had no help was stressed out and thought you know I'm not changing any more diapers. I really don't know. Still, she was the baby was still connected to the uh, placenta, so I mean it. It, it well, couldn't have been long. You know, interesting enough, had she not severed the umbilical, she would have thrown herself out the window. <laughs> which I don't know if that's ever happened. That well, now it sounds a like twofer. a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> her uh, husband, or, or not her husband, but the, the father of the baby, uh, did not even know that she was pregnant. Yeah, you always hear that. It's like I didn't really. You just did. You just thought she'd eaten the proverbial three watermelons. I mean, twenty-eight-year-old <laughs> Giovanni Johnson lives in the apartment. Uh, he said he had no idea Barry was pregnant. She delivered the eight-pound baby in the shower uh, of his place. That old routine. Yeah, yeah, shower baby. Yeah, honey, I'll be right out. Yeah. <laughs> You've been in there. Close a long your time. eyes. <laughs> And she just made a break for it, I guess, right for the window. I don't know. Do you think he was home? Oh, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe she just always arranged to be facing the other direction. Yeah, while he was around. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. But they would fuck. He'd always be from behind, and you know, just uh, apparently. You, you know, and and really, we're sort of trained as men. You know, if if a woman puts on a few pounds, you don't like go like, hey, what's you're you're really you know you're ballooning up here. You know, I mean, with it's, well, it depends you, you on the man. Yeah, you know? I mean. Oh. I guess there's a I think in this culture of anorexia, you know, plenty of men, you know, they're uh, make women crazily neurotic about their weight and women are and men are both neurotic about their weight. That, but I think it's yeah. a subjective thing. Yeah, it really has spread out of men a lot more than uh than than I would have thought it ever would. But then again, you know, I guess not. Everybody wants to look good. Well, I, I remember reading a statistic that once Bhutan, of all places, the tiny little country of Bhutan, got American television within a year like 40% of the teenage girls were anorexic. Wow. Jesus Christ. Because 40%. suddenly they, you have this image foisted on you that is nothing like real life. You start hating yourself and body image dysmorphia kicks in and hmm. there you go. You know, it's too bad because in, in the 80s it wouldn't have been that way, I think. You know, I mean, like I know there was anorexia in the 80s, but when you look at some of the shit, remember Facts of Life? You know, those were the girls on TV at the time. I think I was stealing TVs then. I wasn't watching them. <laughs> I was watching. God yeah. bless you. And they were they were chubby, you know. Mm. But then I guess I guess so. Lena Dunham would be a good example for the girls of Bhutan. Great example, you know? yeah. Because she's Terrific a example, uh, body proud and uh, absolutely, and and not body slim. And and yeah, so that's something I definitely support. Speaking of girls, a girls' night out turned into a girls' night dead. A pretty young doctor and mother of three dead of an overdose after a cocaine and booze binge with an Emmy-nominated HBO producer, Long Island dermatologist Kirsten Rickenbach Servini started her night out at a downtown hotel room, snorting cocaine and partying in her room. Met up with producer Mark Johnson at a bar on the Lower East Side around 4.30 a.m. The two of them took a cab. They wound up at the Chelsea apartment of Coke dealer Pepsi Holder. That's right, a Coke dealer named Pepsi. (laughs) Yeah. She also told me she doesn't believe uh, that she was selling drugs. Now, this is a a quote from the guy's live-in the drug dealers live in. Uh, I thought it was an amusing quote. Uh, she doesn't believe that he's selling drugs. She said, if he's a drug dealer, why don't I have better shoes? So that's the, the eternal old. question. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't love you. Uh, the 38-year-old victim's body was found sprawled in the entryway of a five-floor walk-up on West, 26, on West 16th Street. I know that to be the truth. Uh, and that was Sunday morning around 8.30. 30. It's literally around the, the eternal question. Yeah. 
it's very near here yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's it's almost uh, uh so uh you know when you hear about somebody dying of a drug overdose um how does that feel does that well the most interesting thing to me about this story is having read that is the double life factor uh-huh. that this woman was known for like jogging with her baby in a stroller with her husband at 6 a.m every morning yeah health nut great mom tennis player and then found dead in a sordid chelsea i guess it takes a lot, of co- a lot of coke to summon up the interest to do all that stuff you know i mean i wonder if the i wonder if the lives intersect really more than you would think i mean because to do to do all that shit sounds so boring maybe uh, he had met her originally getting a mole removed yeah <laughs> and said i want to spend all night doing coke with this woman well they had known each other longer than she even knew her husband she and johnson oh yeah well and you know you're well way more informed than i am i, I think i read two were you were you around the corner when it happened were you like i no, i was no. <laughs> i'm not a suspect here no okay Just asking. <laughs> Uh, I think that the uh, in fact I don't even think that the guys that she was doing coke with are, are uh, suspects they dragged her body down they left it in the vestibule and uh, well that can't be legal yeah you would think not but I, I think know that, when I left bodies in dumpsters I always <laughs> fucking got out of there but now they have security cameras and they have them on security camera the yeah, footage hard and, to explain yeah I think that they what they did is the guy called 911 uh, Mark Johnson and, oh he's a good citizen and uh, they and he, he waited until they showed up and then they went their separate ways that was the way it was told uh, I wonder if a well guy, that's pretty stand up yeah <laughs> <laughs> call 911 and flee yeah after she we're gonna just dump her here yeah we do the right thing yeah yeah sprawl her out sure with a yeah. with her with her blue lips did you ever see anybody overdose i have yeah and um you're right blue lips terrifying i would say uh not a party yeah you know, the scene in uh pulp fiction where they you know mm. jam the needle and in, in i've never chest. seen that yeah is, is that was that Chuck an invention i knew were, no i think that's real but nobody i knew was ever that prepared it was more like i think we better shove ice cubes down her pants and get the fuck out of here <laughs> i mean it, it's always ice cube down the pants yeah. that for some reason is the junkie cure-all yeah that's great yeah oh and that, that that but that is like the end of the party you huh? know well it's the end of you being there that's for sure because nope you know because in California, I mean, you, you can be busted just for paraphernalia or tracks, so mm. you don't want to be there. Yeah, you gotta you want to be as far away as possible. Well, this this woman uh, was once America's junior miss, nineteen ninety five. Really? Yeah, she was a lovely woman. Uh, she uh, did she look like a drug user to you from the photos? No, absolutely not. But you know, drug users don't necessarily look like drug users. Yeah, particularly now that everybody you know. Junkie chic never went away. So everybody's trying, you know, tattoos are now so fucking cornball. You know, everybody's trying to look skeevy. I know. I like, it just glanced down. And I was like, and at first I thought that was a black flag uh, tattoo. No, no, that actually means middle-aged Jew. <laughs> That's great. Thank well, you. I'm glad yeah, you like it. I've never seen it before. Mm-hmm. In Brooklyn, a city work crew discovered a human skull and other bones in the cushions of a discarded couch. Hey, free couch. The DOT workers found it on Belt Parkway. Now it's up to the city medical examiner to determine uh, the identity of the remains and uh, cause of death. How do they even start that? I wonder. Well, you know, I get the body thing. What I don't get is the couch. I mean, all over where I live, and it's I lived in New York for a long time. These couches would just fucking materialize on a curb, and you're like, somebody throw it out a window? Did they drag (laughs) it down like six flights of a walk up? There'd just be a couch. I get the dead body. I mean, that happens. Sure. But the couch thing is a mystery to me. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Uh, It must be one of those things where it's like uh, uh, they... uh 
you know, there may be a bed bug situation. You know, or when aliens come, they look like couches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And a couch is like a really personal piece of furniture. You know what I mean? Like, Boy, any- it is in my house. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, it's a certain collect. It's going to smell like the family that uh, Ooh, that, that sat on yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. It's ass specific, as, <laughs> as as our coroner friends might say. It's probably pheromones uh, mm-hmm. out the old uh, keister, and and uh, you're getting back to the entrails. Again. Back, it's back kind of a theme show. <laughs> now, um, I, I actually heard you and uh, and Mandy talk about this. Yes, news or Mandy Stadmiller. Um, that uh, you, uh, your episode, one of your episodes of CSI that you wrote was uh, the um, Fur and uh, Loathing in Las Vegas. The, yes. the fur. <laughs> what a great title. And when, as you were writing that, uh, and, and you obviously had to do some research. For yeah, there's that, a lot of articles about it. And did you uh, specifically pick that as like, a, you know, a topic that was interesting well, I was to you? The guy that, you they brought, that was back in Rolodex days. I was the guy they brought in for like weird, perverted fucked up drug stories that was i was your go-to guy so i did another okay. episode on adult babies about a giant oh, casino yeah. mogul who liked to like wear a diaper and had a little playhouse designed secretly in his house you know the feel-good episodes <laughs> a guy like that started off just you know i guess sucking well what i found out interestingly enough is george bernard shaw you may have heard of he drank human breast milk every day of his life so there and he lived to be 98 sharp as a tack so there are mm. stores now for human baby for adult baby fetishists who uh they can drink their milk and even more interestingly if they're wealthy enough they keep pregnant mistresses around so that they can suckle Ooh. boy that's creepy well, Creepy as fuck. Yeah. I mean, if I was, I mean, uh, I suppose, would it, no, what's the term for that? Wet nurse. That's wet what nurse. it is. So a, a wet nurse who was going to hang around. And now, to me, even breastfeeding a kid once they hit like a certain age becomes a, a real problem for me. I don't even like yeah, to see I it. Yeah, I once, uh, uh, the only time I ever wrote a play, one of the actresses who I won't name because she later became famous, her kid would come home from school. It's like six years old, walk in, she would just lift up her blouse and he'd take his after school milk. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I find that so, I don't know, erotic, but, uh, but you know, yeah, at a certain point it gets erotic. It gets, it has to be. Did you see the cover of the uh, magazine a few years ago? There was a, a woman who was on the cover and she, there was a kid who's standing up and sucking her breasts. Remember that, yeah. And, and a lot of people were outraged, and then a lot of people were talking about how beautiful it is. I think... And you were, like, taking it into the bathroom with you. <laughs> I'm both. I'm horrified, yeah. and I think it's beautiful. Well, you know, it's, you, can, you can be horrified by your own desire. Maybe that, yeah. Years yeah. go by. That could be it. Yeah. I, but you know what it is that truly horrifies me about mm. it? It's the expression on the woman's face. What was her expression? Extreme, well, uh, not from that picture, but I'm thinking of a different one. There was a woman here recently who had a baby or a small child on each breast, mm-hmm. you know, both of them a little too or old a tiny man one of them not hers mm. <laughs> oh i saw that <laughs> i saw yes. that picture <laughs> her villa cheese yeah, exactly. on. yeah. <laughs> the plane uh but it's the look on her face mm. oh how would you describe it self self uh satisfied self uh just really um there, there's a look uh, of like yeah it, it's a fuck you look to me really yes yeah well, fuck you i'm nurturing yeah <laughs> look at doesn't this bother you you know and i, I the, the, of course there's this thing that you project that at, i mean that maybe she's saying 
Don't you wish you could do this too? Oh, maybe, maybe, yeah. Who knows? Uh, you know? Well, it's a war shock. It's it, yeah, maybe it is. It's 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 a look that that says to me uh, it's a maternal war shock. It's it's definitely something I don't like, <laughs> and yet that. vaguely aroused. And yeah, I, yeah, and yeah, you can see it. It's you're, in my you're, pants. You're at war with your own <laughs> desires, my friend. But are we? Are we? Are we all or no? Well, it could be. I don't. I mean, I am not particularly turned on by that. But uh, you know, I've had a couple kids. I've seen it. It's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's so primal. Yeah, it is primal to suck food out of your mother. That's as primal. Well, it's as like it a vending machine. I mean, it's not like you're getting like Skittles, you know. <laughs> yet, I'm sure they'll have a chip for that eventually. One of these days, it yeah. depends on her diet. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you're if when a woman sucks a guy's dick, right, and she eats his cum, when you think about it, that's she's eating the seed of life. I didn't out realize of his fucking such an balls. You know what I mean? So she, she's eating his life, <laughs> eating the seed of life out of his balls. To me, that's eating a heavy thing. Of, yeah. Isn't that a Bible? Eating the seed of life out of his balls? <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's Didn't in Isaiah do Le- that? Leviticus. <laughs> wow. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it, you're not, you, you shouldn't Excuse, do it on, it, on Does Shabbat. that like you just meet somebody and say, would you like to eat the seed of life out of my balls? <laughs> because I am. I mean. That's so, did you just make that up? Well, I mean, it's a thought that I've had before, but I've never put it in those exact preacher, words. Man. You think so? Oh, my God. It's seed seemed- of life out of her balls. <laughs> It's it is primal. That's what made me think of it. It's just primal, the, the, the primal it's, nature it's of it. Straight up biblical. But you, if you were at the at war with any of your desires, it would be. Uh, do, you, do you ever? Does it ever still cross your mind to to do heroin? And I'm sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what would be a trigger? Like a, well, it, you a know, bad podcast we, host we, asking a dumb uh, question. No, it'd be like so. I'll be dry. Speaking of sucking your dick, there's a position that junkies get mm. when when they're like, you see these guys on bus benches and they're just sort of slumped forward. Yes, like they're sucking their own dick. Uh-huh. Just a complete wretch of a man. And I'll be driving. And I'll think, wow, he doesn't have to be anywhere. <laughs> he's got not. He has no responsibilities. Yeah, he's got it, no deadlines. His he's afternoon's just, clear. Yeah, he's good. You know. Mm. And uh, I go weirdly like, wow, that it, it, it's the heroin, but it's also the whole thing. Mm. It's just like he is just it's got it all right now. Because when you're on the drug, I guess it, it changes your perspective so much that that it just it, it's wipes like, out perspective entirely. Right, right. You and, know, uh, they always say cocaine is for people who want to feel everything. Heroin is for people who want to feel nothing. Uh, so if it just puts the world in a nice soft everything in its place kind of uh reality hmm. and it's like that from the first time you do it or does especially it especially the first time uh. it's like suddenly you feel comfortable for the first time in your life wow i mean people say the same thing about alcohol they had a drink and they're like ah oh, i was home mm-hmm. you know yeah i felt that way i felt yeah. very very i mean drinking definitely ch- you know suddenly you're not self-conscious yeah you know you feel okay mm-hmm. it, it's it's not i think specific to the drug it's, it's a different delivery system and and uh that that but that drug in particular as you are uh like i don't know how long it lasts when you when you shoot mm-hmm. it um depends you know okay uh, that there's like a a, hours i mean there's a crazy rush in the beginning and or get you know kind of a orgasmic rush and mm-hmm. then it but eventually, you're just doing it not to get sick. So right, that because when you don't do it, you're gonna you get really sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and so you just man, uh, trying to manage uh, the pain. Absolutely. And, and so trying but, to get well. You don't even say I'm getting high. I'm just getting well. Oh boy, that's uh, that must that must be a moment the first time you you look at it that way. Like I just need to not feel bad. Well, you realize you're strung out. Uh, yeah, and and you've created like a do you create like an an an, an sort of a, a world of your own within that. 
you don't realize you're doing it, but pretty soon that is your world, sure. Uh. Becomes the full, you know, it's it's like uh, Jim Carroll said, it's the worst day job in the world, being yeah. a junkie. <laughs> and, and when you uh, would write, mm. would you be... Well, when I was writing, yeah, you, but eventually you're just, you know, getting the dough. You just got to wake up every day and get the fucking money. Yeah. Unless you're a rich guy. And I, you know, by the end, I certainly wasn't a rich guy. Just looking for a free couch. Yeah, uh, with and, a body in it. Now, let me ask you just another question. But did you, were you a cigarette smoker? Or yeah, you, I was. And did you, a lot, so many people say, uh, you know, that nicotine is, is harder to quit. It than, was harder to quit. Really? Yeah. Wow. I think it's because... It's so situational. You're making a call. You're stressed. It's just, it's the thing you can do. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, it, it's, it's a different kind of addiction, but it's really, really hard. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So, I have quit smoking before. I quit like 15 it, years ago. And it's it, hard, right? It was, maybe, yeah, the most difficult. The mo- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> believe I mean, me, it was, the most, it was the hardest thing I ever did. But weren't there certain things you realized, oh my God, how can I do this without a cigarette? you know many things finished a meal i just had sex i just this whatever well yeah i smoked yeah. i smoked like over a pack a day for 18 years so what to brand? me it was marlboro reds nice and a lot of times i'd smoke luckies keith richards brand yeah. the marlboros yeah. or the luckies marlboro reds oh yeah keith richards i just uh, know this from the marin marin podcast yeah what a great junkie though uh you yeah may, one of the greats yeah. <laughs> uh, you know and, and you think over the years you know i, I want to be like keith and you know, you just don't realize Keith isn't going to be there with a warm towel when you're kicking. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, right to tamp off your brow. How has he managed to, uh, you know, keep going all this? Well, time? it's like William Burroughs said, man, it ain't the drug. It's a lifestyle. I mean, if, hey, you got the money and the you're doing something you love and hey, you know, I, I guess he made it work. Interesting. And, and so you should listen to the man because he talks about that. And in the end, it's just, you, you know, you're basically putting yourself in a little box. Oh. Putting yourself in a little box. Well, you're just hanging out with other junkies is what happens. Oh. So your whole world is that. Just sitting in a room with guys with guns and dope and trying to get more and waiting on the man. A lot of waiting, you know. And, oh. and, you, and it's sort of like not even realize. It comes on subtly that you're even addicted. And then you realize, this is all I fucking do. And you don't even care because oh. you're just so consumed with it. Yeah. There's no way of dropping it at that point. Nope. Well, that's a fascinating world. Three men charged with gang raping and robbing hookers. A one-up scale gang rape took place at the Grand Hyatt. It's one of the best hotels in the city to be gang raped in. Uh, Fernando, you like too much, man. Fernando, <laughs> Fernando Sandal, Joey Cruz, Isaiah Rivera, you know, the gang. 36-year-old Sandal made the date to meet the prostitute from Backpage.com, which men the world over recognize as a trusted source of victims. Uh, she agreed to meet him at the Hyatt. Uh, then he texted Rivera, Grand Hyatt Hotel, and you know she's making money staying in a hotel. He then texted Cruz, get up, game time, and we coming off big today. She's staying at a five-star hotel. Uh, once in the room, he sprayed her face with mace, bound her wrists and ankles, and choked her, which was infuriating because they didn't pay for any of that. Then they took turns raping her. Afterwards, they left with her cell phone and pocketbook. And then the same three pulled the same gang rape shit, different day. This time, a 32-year-old woman in Gramercy, in an earlier attack back in June, they beat and raped a hooker on a Bronx uh, rooftop in an apartment building. Now, uh, with a prostitute, is it is it is it like a rape, or is is it almost like theft of services? It's a rape. Yeah, of course it is. 
uh, and uh, especially a brutal style of uh, rape like this, I would think that the police, even though it's violent and there's theft and robbery, they don't uh, they don't investigate it the same if it's a prostitute. They don't even investigate it the same if it's uh, well, somebody if, in porn. If, if you can believe Law & Order SVU, that's always an issue. Yeah. The prostitutes aren't getting treated the way a quote-unquote citizen would be, but uh, I don't know the reality. It certainly is a dangerous profession, it, obviously. A, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's also fucked up preying on victims. I mean, it's just not to get unfunny here, but I mean, that's just the lowest. Yeah. Preying on, uh, uh, you, you mean uh, the prostitute being a victim to begin with? Well, I'm sure she's not loving her life that she's doing that, but I shouldn't speak for it. You know, yeah. To them, but uh, right. Who knows? Yeah, and they do it with such glee. It's yeah. It, that's the yeah. Their texts are really the crazy part to me. Yeah. Let's here's another one. Uh, in one exchange, Rivera writes, "Bitch, better have money." Uh, and then uh, let's see. In another one, they they he refers to them as the Smash Brothers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know they. Uh, they did. They, this is the. Uh, you got to be crazy in our line of work, and uh, I'm chilling, uh, bro. Yep. Looking for another Vic. You just wonder why? Why would you spell it out so specifically in your text? It seems like such a bad idea, you know. Well, I think there's a high IQ involved. Yeah. <laughs> and clearly, they weren't breastfed. <laughs> That's what it is. They hate their mothers. That's right. They were denied the tit. They're fucking assholes. Uh, the death of a uh, New York Yankee great, Yogi, Yogi Berra, mm. puts us in the mind of baseball. Are you a baseball fan? Used to be. Well, just a couple. I, I can recite the entire roster of the 1960 Pirates that beat the Yankees. <laughs> no kidding. I think really? I topped off right there, yeah. Is that the last time the Pirates won the uh, series? <laughs> <laughs> I think they might have pulled off a few times, but the last time I gave a shit. Well, it makes me think, yeah, this is the game that was once considered uh, the great American pastime, you know, before baseball was eclipsed by school shootings. Uh, the origins of baseball oh. consensus <laughs> baseball descended from the older game of uh, rounders a british game and uh most direct antecedents are an english game of stool ball and tut ball this is interesting uh, the earliest known reference to baseball a 1744 british publication called a little pretty pocketbook contained a rhyme description of baseball and some illustrations now uh, the earliest recorded game you had me at stool ball <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, insert joke here. Yeah, back to the entrails. Uh, yes, the uh, that was the the earliest recorded game played near London, seventeen forty nine. Uh, and uh, here's here's an argument for the great American pastime featured the Prince of Wales as a player. Nice. Yeah. So Abner Doubleday yeah. really didn't start the game. It was it preceded predated him. It did. He did not invent the game in Cooperstown. In in eighteen forty five, the practice of putting a runner out by hitting him with a throw ball was barred. By the Knickerbocker Did rules, you just in New throw York the City. ball at him. Yeah, free <laughs> <laughs> had to hurt. <laughs> Jesus, and there had to be somebody in 1846, 1847 didn't get the memo. They're yeah. like, what the fuck are you just doing? Fucking hit me in the head with a ball, you <laughs> douchebag. We're not doing that anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, while there are reports the New York Knickerbockers played games in 1845, the contest now recognized as the first officially recorded baseball game was in 1846 in Hoboken. The mm. New York Nine defeated the Knickerbockers, Knickerbockers 23 to 1 in four mm. innings. Jesus. Pitching duel. <laughs> By 1856, local journalists uh, were referring to the game as the national pastime. In 1858, 16 teams formed. Uh, the first governing body, the National Association of Baseball Players, and the first games were played, which charged admission in Queens, Corona. No shit. Yeah. In 1863. I got to give you props, man. You came up with some fascinating tidbits Thanks. of criminal arcana. Thanks. Of 
1863, the organization disallowed lots of balls caught on the first bounce. Four years later, the organization disallowed the participation of African Americans. <laughs> the article that I read gave those two facts the exact same weight. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what you're reading. Yeah, Wikipedia. Of course. I, was, <laughs> I mean, sure. I, that's as deep as I go. Sometimes. Talk about people yeah. sitting around in their pajamas at three in the afternoon. Yeah, in the yeah. article, in the article I read, this uh, they were given the same way. Though, in a, uh, overhand pitching legalized in 1864. Uh, the last fundamental rule change uh, counting foul balls as strikes was instituted in 1901. That's when that started. Thanks for clearing that, that up. Was, so the American League uh, was established the same year. Relations were formalized. The first World Series was played in. Do you know? 1903 and uh do you know that uh, there was a different kind of baseball back then it i did not know that yeah emphasized offensive strategy gamesmanship and speed uh and uh there was a player who epitomizes that kind of uh uh game and sport it was known as the dead ball era you know like inside baseball i beg your pardon <laughs> <laughs> Ray, it's always balls with you. That's a lot of ball talk. Yeah. Ray Chapman was a was a great all around player. He led the league three times in putouts, batted three hundred three times. Uh, he's a shortstop for the Cleveland Indians, and uh, he was from Beaver Dam, Kentucky. Led the American League in runs well, scored. You got to back up. What's the dead ball mean? The well, dead ball. That's what I'm getting to. I, he I he was up, he was so good at this. Uh, just a little background on him. He was sixth uh, in the league all time uh, on sacrifice hits. Holds still holds the single season record with sixty seven. Uh, sacrifice hits in 1917. Mm. Only Stuffy McKinnis <laughs> had more had more career sacrifices yeah. as a right hand pitcher. Uh, so he led the he also led the the team four times in in stolen bases. In fact, his team record of 52 stolen bases stood until 1980. Okay, so Chapman's statistics show he excelled at inside baseball, which uh, was what the sport was about at the time. He got married in 1920. He decided to, to go into his father-in-law's business. He was going to leave baseball. In August uh, of 1920, they played the Yankees. Later in the afternoon, at the top of the fifth, uh, Chapman uh -oh. stepped up to the plate. Carl Mays on the mound for the Yankees. Uh, Spitballs at the time were sure. you know, thrown quite often, uh, altering the for personal advantage, which is considered gamesmanship. In fact, uh, it was part of every pitcher's job to kind of dirty up the ball. So Mays threw uh, with a submarine delivery, and according to eyewitnesses, it seemed <laughs> Chapman couldn't see the ball in the afternoon sun, frozen in the uh, twilight. The old invisible. <laughs> The sound of the ball smashing into Chapman's skull mm. was so loud that Mays thought it had hit the end of Chapman's bat. Ah. Mays fielded the ball, threw it to first base. Chapman remained... Wait, it bounced off his head and he fielded it? Yes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Chapman collapsed, blood gushing from his left ear, and as people helped, he couldn't walk on his own. He had to be helped off, and he couldn't speak when spoken to. He just, his words came out in a mumble. Twelve hours later, Chapman was dead in a New York City hospital, the only major league player to die as a result of an on-the-field injury. The ultimate dead ball. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the end of the dead yes, ball era. I'll bet it was. They outlawed the spitball. Yeah. And then Babe Ruth started smacking homers. And I'm still thinking of, so what exactly was the submarine delivery? That underhand? I think it's like a weird underhand. Yeah, like they do like, like a little wind-up. thing? Wow. Yeah, it looks very cartoonish. Killed by an underhand pitch. That's got to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, they lost it in the sun. They, yeah, they sure did. Yeah. Uh, now, oh, by the way, Little League started in the 20s. Okay. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> a Bronx baseball coach is facing charges for having a sexual relationship with a 14-year-old boy on his team. He was the catcher, I assume. A 28-year-old. Oh, Jesus, man. 
<laughs> Lloyd Watson, arrested by NYPD Special Victim Squad detectives, accused of abusing his young player on a road trip. Uh, the team is part of an outside league, not affiliated with a specific school. The two shared a room, and Watson allegedly touched the boy's genitals, fondling him in inside his uh, strike zone. Come here, kid. Let me show you how to throw a spitball. <laughs> anyway, the next Jesus day. Christ. You are shameless, man. I tell you. I, no, I'm, I'm becoming ashamed. <laughs> I'm developing a sense of shame as Good. we sit here. Uh, if I can help in any way. You know, I'm the only one doing this, Jerry. <laughs> I, I'm, I, it's amazing. I think I'm the only. I think I am the. He, the next day, uh, Watson asked the teen, did you like what I did to you last night? Uh, and, uh, yeah. It's, he I, asked the whole team that or just that kid? Just the, <laughs> just the kid. But I wonder if the parents are like, yeah, I'm going to be rooming with your 14-year-old son that, you know, yeah. I'm a grown man. Right. Like, do you think the parents knew? Like, I don't think they did. I don't think I that they seems... signed off on that. I bet you that was like, uh, but then again, if it's like double beds, like, no, he'll stay with me, the coach, we're all going to bunk know, up. You man. Know? I don't know. I don't like the sound of it. I don't like the sound of it either. Yeah. You, you can't trust anybody these days, you know, not even a coach. Uh, Especially the, a coach. Uh, the, t the name of the team wasn't disclosed. Watson and victim exchanged naked photographs by text and Facebook. Uh, Watson also got the teen to perform a sex act, uh, act on him. The whole team? Just him. Just the teen. Oh, a teen. <laughs> I'm hearing team. And I'm thinking, what the, the team? Fuck? What is Bengali? He got, he got yeah. <laughs> They really drank the Kool-Aid on this coach. Jesus, come on, team. Do you want to win or not? <laughs> not about me. Well, as the great Yogi Berra said, you can observe a lot by watching. The boy's mother overheard her son asking. poor Yogi Berra's corpse into this travesty, man. Uh, we're paying uh, uh, homage. Her son uh, asked Watson she overheard this her son uh, asking the coach to ditch his girlfriend so they could be together and this is a quote when are you going to leave your girlfriend and give me the ring this is a 14 year old boy yeah well every baseball player dreams of someday marrying their coach you know <laughs> when he finally pops the question after practice so they can settle down and start a family something else huh i've never heard of like well good news for rabbis who love to suck the blood off a newborn baby's penis. Those who perform the ultra-Orthodox Jewish circumcision ritual known as Mazitza Bepa will no longer be required to have parents sign acknowledgments of potential health risks. Mazitza Bepa. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Because I've pronounced it so many times. <laughs> yeah. Your Yiddish is impeccable. Thank you. I've worked on it. Also known as uh, uh, Mazitza Bepa, also known as oral succumcision, is the practice of uh, sucking blood from a circumcision wound. It's practiced on about 3,000 babies a year. And city health officials believe it's been linked to about 17 cases of herpes causing two oh, deaths. Jesus. Yeah, it's herpes is a serious matter for a newborn, apparently. Well, what could go wrong with rabbi sucking baby cough? Yeah. I mean, that is, <laughs> I read that and I just thought to myself, that is a bad Jew. That does not, I mean, I'm sorry. I guess it's, do you think it's in the Bible? Well, it must be. Uh, they they seem to think that, it, that to them it goes uh, far back in their tradition. For instance, uh, uh, a Brooklyn rabbi, Romy Cohn, uh, Khan, says he's performed the ritual 35,000 times. And so you do this and the family gathers and you just watch as your baby's penis is inserted in the mouth of a, of a rabbi. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's, there's some music, some candles, I guess. Some yeah. I because I've been I've been to what the, it's called a bris, a bris a celebration. Right. I mean, it's all it's nerve wracking as hell because the guy's going in with a 
you know, goddamn pair of scissors and they're dancing and bouncing and drinking and it's like, wow. Yeah. Already, you know, it's it's on the edge. Yeah, it made me glad I had girls because I don't <laughs> think I had the nerve for it. Oh, you didn't opt for the female circumcision? Not yet. <laughs> no, I don't think I'm going that route. But uh, that's, yeah, yeah, there won't be sucking involved. That's for sure. That there's sponges. There's. I think there's this new thing called gauze. Yeah. You know, that they crazy newfangled. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at any rate, uh, you know, they uh, that's the way they like to do it. Then he gets home and kisses his wife. Yes. <laughs> How was your day? Oh, <laughs> is that baby penis I taste? Mm. Is that the Greenbaum boy? Oh, geez. The NYPD has formally introduced the receipt. Cops will now be required to issue to anyone they question during these uh, street stops. And if your officer fails to give you a receipt, your next stop and frisk is free. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's fascinating. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's a little that's something a little bit light. That we yeah, a little sort of, light. A little yeah. light that we could go out on there. No, it's good. I, I like that because there wasn't any uh, involuntary sad victim You know, it's involved. some people uh, are uh, some people are fans of it, and some people, you know, it's it's uh, you're you're a sensitive guy, and but you're Me? able, but you're yeah, you seem to be. I am all about sensitivity. Yeah. Well, you know, have you ever been a victim of any kind of abuse or trauma? Actually, yeah, I was a victim of an attempted murder in 2004. What happened? I was uh, seeing a girl for, I don't know, Bad, yeah, I was know, a victim. <laughs> how dare she? Yeah, so how close did she get to murder, did you say? Well, she had a she had a, girl, loaded, a loaded Glock 9mm with one head? in the chamber. If you, that, wow, big yeah. girl. If you were 13 years old and it was a man... And he raped you. Uh -huh. You could have made comedy out of it on your <laughs> podcast because that's that's your turf. Clearly, yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, yeah, it certainly You've is. Corner the market on, uh, yeah, victim yucks. For a foremost progenitor. Well, it's not just victim. What exactly, is a progenitor. I haven't. I'm not originator and and originator. guy who does it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think anybody else does. Uh, just totally irreverent I mean, crime comedy, comedy crime. Yeah, no. There's people who do like, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, like the, those dumb criminals and stuff, which I oh, talk about dumb criminals. criminals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Or like, you know, uh, and there's there's crime funnies and whatnot. But I think that this is a I think this is in a class all its own. But I, I would say you are definitely <laughs> in a class. I don't know what that class would be called. But low class, class. Jerry, no. go ahead. Say it. Go I, ahead. I don't think it's low class. <laughs> Working your way up to low class. Yeah, no, yeah, no, it's yeah. great, man. I mean, funny guy. Yeah, it's it's it is it's probably lowbrow, uh, but I but I hope that it has some sort of a value. Who has a brow? I mean, I have a unibrow. I mean, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know, um, I uh, I am a fan of of old screen comedies to some degree. I'm a big fan of W. C. Fields, and uh, oh, yeah. I'm excited to read I Fatty. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, and uh, that especially considering it is in, involved it's crime. A crime. There's a a lot of crime yeah there. and a couple of crimes right and and he uh and i don't know if it's a spoiler i mean he was set spoiler up. alert he, yeah he, he wasn't he wasn't convicted well, it's history yeah he was uh tried three times and let off each time yeah and in the end truly tragic he tried to make a comeback as a director mm -hmm. under the name will be good uh -huh. which is just the saddest thing in the world wow and yeah well the woman he was accused of raping mm -hmm. coincidentally gave the entire keystone cops the crabs <laughs> which you know you, you don't impugn the victim alleged victim but that's just that's a fact just the fact that keystone cops getting crabs yeah <laughs> you just picture them you know running around with their hats and their little batons and oh, getting crabs right you know? oh yeah <laughs> 
with some wacky music. <laughs> doodle-doo, it, it doodle-doo, doodle-doo. Yeah. So she was maybe a bit promiscuous. Uh, well, she had actually had a, uh, uh, yeah, I won't, I won't give it away. But it, it was, uh, to say the least, he was framed. Oh well, for a lot of reasons. And, and uh, they, he was the first comedian to get a million dollars a year. And Adolf Zucker, once he was accused, wanted to get out of that, so paid somebody to testify against him. Mm. And it just spiraled on from there and got deeper and wider. To get out of a contract. Yeah. Jesus Christ, that is cutthroat. That was Christ, back that in the days when being a movie actor was just the lowest, like stage actors, like they would literally in apartment buildings or tenements in LA that have signs that said, no dogs, no coloreds, no actors. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The whole other world. Man, that is a different time. I mean, they, they could not be more idolized today. I know. Yeah. Fatty Arbuckle. He was, uh, are you a fan of it? You must be a fan of his work. Uh, I became a fan. You know, I didn't know that much about it, but it was a great story. Uh huh. What attracted you to the story? Uh, long-winded answer. This this guy Anthony Bourdain was working oh. on a series of nonfiction books for the publisher Bloomsbury. He was doing uh, Typhoid Mary, mm-hmm. uh, who turned out to be a chef, which or a cook, which was hence his interest, who was giving people this disease. Uh, I was asked to do one. But when I tried to write the Fatty Arbuckle story nonfiction, it sounded like the most dry and boring term paper in the history of mm. high school. So I, I couldn't do it. So I just sort of, without asking, made it into fiction. Oh. And getting into Fatty's head, like uh, well, the beauty of a real it is person. Because nobody's really ever heard his voice. And that was the era of the wisecrack, which I love, you know, like that Oscar LeVant shit, like I knew Doris Day before she was a virgin, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> so uh, it gave me a chance to write in that sort of snappy, not, you know, like the, the voice you use, that sort of confidential magazine, 1950, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, it, it's very, you know, it's almost a direct descendant to the way people started talking back in the 20s and teens, you know? Yeah. When, point, when you, you deliver, you sound just like Walter Winchell. <laughs> Did you ever hear Walter Winchell? I heard of him, yeah. Yeah, well, go go look, listen to yeah. ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> all the ships at sea. You know, it's great. You were you're, uh I was watching, like I said, the the um, fur and loathing episode. Uh, you actually watched it? I watched it. How did it hold up? It was great. And and as I was watching it, and I'm not even familiar with CSI, I never watch it. And I said, you know, and I asked and I asked Mandy, I was like, are all the episodes like this with all this where everything's a punchline? You know, it was that snappy with the wisecracking style that you referenced. And I thought that it was the way it was written. It was like, this is the most densely, like, sort of twisting uh, uh, show to watch that I've ever seen. Well, yeah, ironically enough, I've done some pretty bent and twisted and fucked up work in different genres. But what I got to do at nine o'clock on the family hour on CBS <laughs> was probably more bent and perverted and just depraved than anything I've ever done anywhere. So go figure, you know? It was interesting the, the watching the two detectives, you know, just kind of like exchange uh, one-liners, you know, throughout yeah. the show. And well, they, that's the grand tradition. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, I mentioned Amanda, you know, because not being the world's greatest researcher, I, confl- you know, I confused furries and plushies. Uh-huh. To this day, I couldn't tell, but one of them is like you dress up like a cartoon character. Mm-hmm. 
you know, like you could dress up like Mickey Mouse or something. And mm-hmm. the other one is you just dress up like a mouse, you know, or <laughs> generic mouse. Yeah, just an animal, uh-huh. you know. And as a result of that, on my part, gross insult to the community, they picketed CBS. <laughs> In their outfits. Which ones? The plushies or the furs? To this day, I have not. It's just I have a mental block. I can't figure it out. That both of them maybe were angry about it. I think they hate it. I think it's, you know. counter protest. Jukes and Calicucks. You know, I think they don't like each other. God, that's, you know, and and fair enough, you know. Wars have been fought over less. (laughs) I sure have. (laughs) So, Jerry Stahl, uh, your new uh, book is out. And, uh, and and what is it called? It's OG Dad. OG. Weird shit happens when you don't die young. Yeah. It's about uh, raising uh, your, your It's about kid. having a kid when you're way too old to have any business having a kid. <laughs> well, what is that like? Fatiguing. Uh-huh. Uh, terrifying. But kind of great. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you make a new mistake. You know, that's my motto. <laughs> yeah, I have man. a 26-year-old. I have a three-year-old every 23 years. Yeah. Well, about a girl. Nice. And happily, I don't have to deal with, you know, rabbis sucking my boy's cock because there's no circumcision involved. It's a girl. It's a girl. And you're all set. I'm not faced with that moral decision. Do I let the rabbi do it or do I step in <laughs> and defy the Almighty? Yeah. That's yeah. a tough call. Well, will you raise her Jewish? Uh, you know, I am not the most religious guy in the world although mm-hmm. as my grandfather always used to say if you ever forget you're a jew a gentile will remind you <laughs> oh yeah yeah I'm especially sure in pittsburgh where i used to get beat up routinely i was the only jew in my grade school so i was always getting beat up for killing jesus oh. which i had clearly done in a blackout because i had no memory <laughs> oh god yes i'm sure pleasure uh, having you here and, and thanks and just, man. just a real uh, a, a rare so honor where are you appearing these days what are you up to well you can find me at danger fields quite regularly you know that's awesome. a club that hasn't changed since the 70s i was there in the 70s that's amazing if you went in it's a time capsule nice and chario the waiter who probably served you drinks still then, there still there yeah, he's from Cyprus. He's about 100 million years old. Uh-huh. Those and, Cypriots, uh, they don't yeah. die easy. <laughs> can't you. kill them. You can't. He's there working every damn night. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, great club. You can find me there. I'm at uh, The Stand a lot. When and, is that? Uh, you know, that's uh, October 13th. That's live. It's going to be at The Stand Comedy Club. Uh, show starts at 11. See mm-hmm. you there. And uh, you can also find us always at crimereport.nyc. And so how do you make a living? <laughs> I've been doing comedy for 20 years. And uh, and you've survived, man. I've, I think survival is really the most important thing. You know, I tell you, if that you, and not dying. When you find what... <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. When you find what you love, sure. you're pretty much just running out the clock. Or, in my case, realize there's nothing else you can yeah. do, which is <laughs> almost like finding what you love. Yeah. But you're, you've done many things. You do many things. You even act. I have been asked to be in a couple of things. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we would call it acting. Well, I mean, if you're my the, idea of acting is I hope I don't make a fool of myself on camera. You but know, that's it. That's all you need to do. It's, not as they're not going to let looks. you do that. They're gonna, <laughs> it's it. Uh, I think like Clint Eastwood. He's just like, hey, just say the lines or whatever. Yeah, you know Robert I mean? Mitchum. You know, just don't bump into the furniture. Right. <laughs> Keep it simple. Yeah. Uh, what else can we can we say about you, Jerry? I mean, well, right now I'm writing for the Marin on IFC. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Speaking of comedians my uh old one of my old friends mark yeah that's, and it's for us we'll, we'll be doing it season number four oh man. starting to break stories that's 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 outstanding and do you you enjoy working with mark Marin? love mark yeah the brother i never had yeah no it's great you know i'm working on a bunch of movies and stuff coming out 
Uh, they're shooting a movie now. Just starting to shoot in uh, a movie I wrote a while ago. Is getting with, with co-wrote with this uh, documentary filmmaker Jeff Furtzig, who won at Sundance for The Devil and Daniel Johnson. Mm-hmm. Lev Schreiber and his wife Naomi Watts are doing the Chuck Wepner story called The Bleeder. If you know who he is, he is the guy who was a boxer, white guy out of Bayonne. They call, it's called The Bleeder. Mm-hmm. He can never be knocked down. He's one of the only guys who ever knocked down Ali because he was a dirty fighter and he stood on his feet and knocked him down. Nice. And basically, he's the guy Stallone based Rocky on. Wow. And so finally, after years, that is being made. So I'm shooting, I believe, in Queens this, this month. It was oh. just announced today in Deadline.com. Well, so it's been a long road. That's fantastic. It's a, it's a, it's a great underdog story. And there's a, I'll just tell you one anecdote which made me fall in love with the guy. The poor fucking guy went to pieces after all that and he ended up going to prison for cocaine and what happens while he's in prison Stallone's there shooting a movie so there's this guy watching the guy who like basically made it based on him yeah it's just wow. wheels within wheels it's a great story are you a fan of Daniel Johnson love Daniel Johnson yeah yeah uh, is he still around I believe he is yeah and making music I mean I, I love people who are just unashamedly in their own world making insane art that they would make it's not even insane it's just what they do mm-hmm. they don't have the capacity to even stop making that kind of art you know, yeah I, I love that they're not concerned with fucking twitter followers they have they're not concerned with sales right they're just pure visionary artists and i, I admire that the, there was a, a guy named merv griffin mm-hmm. who used to have a show like kind of a daytime <laughs> talk show. And there was an old lady in the audience named Mrs. Miller who would, he would let her sing. And she was horrible. horrible. I mean, like 20 flights below unlistable. And once on a trip to New York, my mother of all, we went to the show. We happened to be standing behind Mrs. Miller. She was like an audience member. They let her sing. And she really smelled bad. Uh, and I realized that, you know, she's not just black and talent. She's got problems and probably lives in a bus station. Yeah. Well, and I learned a very valuable lesson. Yeah. She's no hygiene in a bus station. <laughs> Merv Griffin. I had no idea oh. that he had such a heart or that he had was such a... Was it heart or was it cruelty? I guess it was heart. Yeah. Or, you know, it might have it been just hard. kind of a Letterman-esque uh, combination of the two. Yeah, you know? kind of a Bud Melman-y thing. But I think Bud Melman was actually a performer of this I don't know what she was. Whatever she was, some issues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever she was, it smelled. I, you know, you hate. I heard myself saying I hated myself. I'm learning from you. Long dead and uh, and, and not damaged by it, and a fascinating story. And, and as my lawyer once told me, the dead can't sue. <laughs> it adds something. Yes. Thanks again for Thank being you, here. Thank you, man. This was a real pleasure. Okay. Thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report.
Well, have you ever seen that Twitter thing, Florida Man? Uh, no, I haven't. There's a Twitter talking. site called Florida Man. Mm-hmm. It always starts with like Florida Man, and then doing some like heinous. Oh yeah. Trailer involved. The last one that I saw that was a Florida Man. It was a guy who reached into the woman's uh, ass, you know, and pulled out her uh, entrails hmm. because she called out the wrong guy's name. You got to go well, really far up there. <laughs> He's either got very skinny hands. She is open wide for business, man. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, I think that it Not might have been professional. I don't it, know. Right. I mean, you have to think. Entrails. Of, I mean, how far up are entrails? I, I guess it's. I mean, yeah, yeah. I've never broached entrail territory. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm not a porn <laughs> level stature guy, so maybe I've never been entrail adjacent. Yeah. I, I know that he. It said he reached in up to his elbow. Oh, shit. Yeah, he was very angry. They were drinking, you know. You're kidding me. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Drinking and rough sex in Florida, you know? Yeah. Now, uh, yeah, alcohol seems like just... Angle elbow sex. Yeah. And and they came in, and the cops, there was, you know, just blood and shit all over the place. uh, Did she die? Yeah, she's dead. Yeah, she did. She was uh, (laughs) laying in in the bathroom... He claimed at first they just had rough sex and it got a little out of hand. And she shit her spleen. <laughs> then everything came out, <laughs> splattered on the walls. It happens. I, I mean, think we've all been there. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> oh, honey, your entrails. I am. I got excited. I'm sorry. Oh, God. Look at the mess I've made. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, when you, when, you, uh, do, when you do other drugs, though, it isn't necessarily like a, a sex thing, I guess. I mean, I don't. I, my, my experience with drugs is pretty limited. It's like weed and, and, and alcohol, I guess. I never even tried cocaine because uh, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I'm going to like it and I know I can't afford it. But the and, day and is young. the opportunity. Yeah. yeah. It seems like women, it's easier for them to try cocaine, you know, because like. A, what? <laughs> How do they, what? <laughs> really? Is that why there's no male coke heads? Well, no, I mean, it's, you know, well, they have money. Oh, I because guess. guys are just laying coke on them. Yeah. You know what you mean? Yeah. But in the world of comedy, I, I, I've been, uh, I mean, I've known a comedian or two who like their cocaine in their day. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's the other thing is that, um, fires your synapses, man. It, yeah. I, I think From if, what I remember, I think I mean, if it's I, been if, a long time, if I yeah. could try cocaine, I might be truly great. If I could do that. Well, but, you would at least <laughs> think you were great, which is half the battle. Right. It gives you that, that, that false confidence, I guess. You, yeah. Everything is fascinating. Yeah. Instantly. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm still thinking about the entrails thing. I guess that's why when you, you know, when, when you fist, you have a closed fist. If you go in with an open hand, mm-hmm. you're coming out with entrails. So you want to keep that fist closed. Yeah. I, I guess be, is the moral of that story. Oh, I think that it was quite intentional that he grabbed it, oh. I guess, and, and yanked because oh, he was he was, so- he was, he was, he was he was hunting for entrails. Oh, he's furious. Yeah, I mean, I think when when the whole thing was done, uh, he he might have also choked her and, and done some other stuff too. He choked her with her entrails, if I'm <laughs> not mistaken. He he wrapped the intestine around her neck. Yeah, Florida's got some brutal murders and no some shit. brutal. Yeah, yeah. They, they, and why do you think that is that Florida? And I've talked to other people about theories, but you know, what what do you think? Uh, well, maybe there's just not enough methadrine in other parts of the country. What's methadrine? Uh, that would be speed. Oh, okay. Crank. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'll make you a little crazy. And that's the the stuff they use to make bath salts. No, no that is the speed. Oh, it's just speed. It's it's a very it's a thing that people make in uh, labs mm-hmm. in the woods that are always blowing up. <laughs> right, in right. fact, if if because I I had a character because so I researched this, the most common thing that happens 
when you are a meth cooker is you blow your penis and your face off. Oh, Christ. <laughs> so no entrail grabbing for you, buddy. <laughs> it's over. That's a, I mean, it's a high price to pay. You know, nothing, must, nothing's without its risk. It must be a very lucrative business. Kind of, especially if you need to make your own. High volume. Yes. Um, uh, and I wonder why penis. And, and Because you're naked in the lab. It's really super fucking hot. And when you figure the lab table's about right here, uh, and the stuff is very flammable, and it just blows up. Oh, God. Okay. I must be the only person who hasn't seen uh, Breaking Bad. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I haven't really not seen it. Not your thing. No. Well, nobody lost their dick in that. that yeah. I, I, I mean, it was a great show, but they didn't do that episode. I thought maybe he cooked it naked, you know, like uh, like it, like you were saying. And that no, they, be... well, they have lab coats on and masks, but, uh-huh. you know, out in the woods, these guys are just, you know, kind of winging it. Yeah, hillbillies, like with stills and stuff from the yeah, old it, it, It's exactly like stills. Yeah. 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 It's funny how the, how it just, the, the only thing that changes is the drug. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Tennessee. I read that you grew up in Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh. I grew up in Pittsburgh, yeah. yeah. And and you come from like uh, kind of the the stock of people, like coal mining uh, people. My my father came over from uh, the old country mm-hmm. when he was ten. He worked his way up from that to much more esteemed positions. But yeah, started a, off a, there, a judge. Yeah. I, I yeah, read in the end, yeah, we, uh, which is crazy story. I mean. What the the way he became a judge? Well, they just you know it's the classic American thing, oh, yeah. and then you climb to the top and you get there and you kill yourself. Oh wow! Forty nine. So you know it's just America does strange things to people. America, and um, that region in particular, I think is it. Now, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Pittsburgh, but like it, uh, uh, I think of like hardworking people. I think absolutely. You know. And he grew up in a small town. You know, it's, yeah, basically Pittsburgh is. You know, I used to be hardworking. I don't know what they do now. I guess yeah. it's like. Software shit because there's no steel now, right? No, it's, it's all malls. I, I go back. I go back for funerals periodically. Yeah. <laughs> I left pretty young, but it's very green now. It's oh, very yeah. environmentally. You know, you, uh, you know you can, the air is nice. It used to be at the end of the day, your curtains were kind of grungy.
This episode of Radio Tatas may contain strong language, adult material, a rapidly aging woman, a landlocked port, and the unexpected return of the damselfly. Listener discretion is advised. Radio Tatas. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it is the best. I mean, people are talking about it. And it's time to You know what you're listening to? The best place. The best place in the world. It's the valley between the mountains. It is Radio Tata. Radio Tata. Good luck with Radio Tata. You're listening to Radio Tata. It's like TV Tata's but boring. Radio Tata. Radio Tata is the name of the show. And uh, I like Tata's and I like radio. Radio Good to be with you. I love to. Hello. Thank you. Welcome to. Stop hitting things. Welcome Welcome to to Radio Radio Tatas. Episode 22. So what the fuck are you listening to? <laughs> New York City Crime Report oh. with Pat Dixon. Oh. Have you heard of Pat Dixon? Oh. <laughs> so yeah. This is a, a podcast that covers, covers New York City crime. Yeah. Covers, when you hear Pat Dixon's oh, voice. I see clouds. You do? Well, it sounds yeah. like... It sounds like you're hearing a story from the 1940s and yeah. 50s. He's just got this very deep, serious voice. Um, and then I'm, I'm going to play another <laughs> Good. clip that Good. is dedicated to Good. Cloudy Boys. And the Cloudy Boys. The Cloudy Boys. The Cloudy Boys. Let's start calling them that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the Cloudy Boys. Play this intro clip first. Into the smallest room in New York City comes the show that gives you a reason to live. NYPD is asking for your help in finding a predator. Woman believed to be in her mid-30s sexually assaulted an 81-year-old woman in her home. Now, I know you... I'm supposed to start with the setup and not the punchline, right? Right to the punchline. Friday, the Bronx, female suspect, seemingly Hispanic and not bad looking, knocked on the victim's door, saying she was from the hospital. While the elderly victim figured she must be there to see her husband. He died 20 years ago. (laughs) Come in. (laughs) The 81-year-old victim told investigators that the attacker then fondled her breasts and groin before fleeing the old knock and frisk. In the attacker's defense, she only meant to fondle the woman's groin, but the breasts just kind of got caught in the crossfire. The woman was in no way injured in the attack. However, since Friday, she has fallen down four times, sprinting to the door every time somebody knocks. She thinks it's feels on wheels. <laughs> oh my goodness. It is 5'6", 135 pounds, pretty hot, last seen wearing purple sneakers, not believed to be armed, but she certainly is handsy. <laughs> if you know anything about this possible hallucination, call 1-800-577-TIPS, America's largest city, world's loneliest town. <laughs> Tips or tits? What the hell? So I, I when I started listening to this, I almost stopped listening after a first couple of episodes. I thought "Eh, I I just don't get it. But then I started understanding like his 
his sense of humor. His it's take very dark. On yeah, his take. And the th- I, I thought it because it covers a lot of crime that Jillian Kitty Gilly might might like this because I know uh-huh. she likes crime type shows. Um, they sometimes have guests. They're anywhere from comics to local journalists. And okay. sometimes it gets very New York-centric and you don't always know the names. Uh, they, they, um, <laughs> they do not give a fuck who they offend. Good. So his tone of voice betrays some of the very inappropriate humor. Uh-huh. They often make references to Black Hitler. Right. Uh, they talk about rape. Yeah. They talk about police killers. There mm-hmm. was an episode on the the guys who uh, the the two cops who were killed. Uh, I'm going to play this clip. It, it is a little long. It, it is a bit, but I think the guys from Cloudy with a Chance of Comedy we'll will appreciate, appreciate why it was that I chose this clip, and also um, how irreverent these guys get about a particular topic. Oh, yeah, this may give them peace of mind. It might. It might not. It might get us banned from a lot of of future gigs. I don't know. Because we get so many gigs. That's right. (laughs) We're just out every night. Another newborn Jew was infected with herpes by a rabbi who sucked his tiny penis like some kind of Nosferatu (laughs) shortly after his birth. Uh, We've talked about this uh, as a religious practice before called Mm -hmm. Metzizah Bapah. I'm just saying that the whole baby dick doesn't go in the rabbi's mouth. It's not like it doesn't, he doesn't like gag himself like on glasses or anything. It's not like, you know, it's it's a tiny penis. <laughs> he can't gag himself on a penis like that. Hey, you know what? Um, you don't have to do that anymore. It's yeah. kind of like Civil War reenactments is the thing. This is how things. This is how things went in a in an inferior time before science. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know this about Jews. They're very obsessed with that first book. Oh yeah, uh, that first one that came out there. Well, I don't think there's anything in the New Testament that says, "Hey, never mind the baby dick sucking." That's true. They never. Re- that's one thing that that's a wrong that Jesus never righted. I guess. <laughs> Hey, by the way, like, yeah, I was conscious the whole time for that, and that was a that was a bummer. He's like, no, they'll please fig- don't. He's like, they'll figure it out. No, that one, that, that's an obvious one. That's what. I, that's like the gay marriage thing, and the, it says it's part of an ancient tradition involved with the rite of circumcision. So they cut off the uh, foreskin, and then the the blood is sucked off by the uh, by the moil, right? And it's called a metzizah. It sounds it's, it's even disgusting sounding. Like yeah, it's, it's what you do after you. Suck all that blood out of the <laughs> He keeps it very like you know he backs everyone. It's not like he's ostentatious. He doesn't turn the baby around and like dump his balls in his mouth or anything. Right, sure, he's gonna get the whole thing in there. <laughs> his baby's first blowjob. You take it serious. Mostly ultra orthodox groups. It figures the more religious you go, the more important it becomes that you have to have the baby's dick. You in gotta. Your mouth. Get, this is an infant. You have to put your mouth on his penis. It's what God intended when He made babies. How could you look at a baby's dick and think anything else? <laughs> what are you That's got to go in my mouth. What, surgical equipment? Because we're breaking oh. flesh? What do you think this is? Some sort of medical procedure? <laughs> Instead of sucking the wound clean with their fucking mouth? Yeah. Put it in my mouth. Because MVP, it says, believed to be a commandment from God, written in the in the Mishnah, mm-hmm. which is the which means law by learned sages, <laughs> elevated by mystical interpretation. Change will not come easily. That's what it says. Is here. there even is there ever been change? I don't know that there's ever been change. People they get so uppity about uh, changing 
and even a letter. Oh can't yeah, do it. I can't mean, do it. If if you will, if you can't not suck a baby's dick, <laughs> even though it gives the baby herpes, I sometimes. mean, you might as well be Catholic. <laughs> We're no better than the Christians. <laughs> I can't imagine being so religious that I would go ahead and suck the blood off the penis of a baby, even if I didn't want to. But I can imagine. I can imagine being so religious that I would go ahead and suck the blood off a baby uh, off a penis of a baby if it was kind of what I wanted to do anyway. Right. I mean, you have parents going like, don't suck please my don't do dick. that. Could you just not suck our baby's dick? Look, I mean, we uh, have paid you a considerable amount of money. Look at this nice spread we have. We invited all of our family here, and this is and this is how you repay me. You, you, you just you suck my son's dick. You just insist. You just insist on it. And now, look, we can't send all these people home. Okay, fine. Suck his dick. Okay, probable cause for concern. The U.S. Centers uh, for Disease Control and Prevention monitors your religious rituals. Yeah, that's a red flag. I would agree. Now, some Orthodox <laughs> rabbis contend there's no medical proof that babies can become sick due to the ritual. How, did, how the fuck else did these kids get herpes? Mm-hmm. But this is on the medical advice of a guy who sucks blood <laughs> off a baby's dick. So always remember that. 17 cases since the year 2000. Two of them fatal. Just oh stop. God. Stop doing it. This bit went on for about 15 minutes of this episode. Feel better, Cloudy guys? Yeah. <laughs> cloudy boys, I'm sorry. Elevate your baby dick-sucking comedy to oh these guys. Goodness. Yeah, that episode is called Goodbye 2014, and there are so many good segments What's covered. the show called? It again? is called New York City Crime Report with Pat Dixon. Okay. Ay, ay, ay. Not Dick Patson? No. <laughs> no. No. All I, right. So that has been <laughs> a very long What the Fuck Are You Listening To? I hope you enjoyed it. We yes, had fun. We with geeked it out. Week. Yeah. Sorry. It was fun.